Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 71. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And each week, Wilson and I share a classic movie we have seen with Charles that he hasn't seen. This week, we watch the 2011 movie, The Raid, Redemption. So Charles, <laughs> tell us about it. Okay, so the police mount a raid on an apartment building that's controlled by a ruthless gang leader. And the main character seeks redemption for his brother. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> who, who has become the gang leader's right-hand man. So they go in and the alarm gets triggered and all hell breaks loose and most of the cops end up getting killed. But they manage to fight their way to the top and it turns out that the guy who led them in um, to take down the gang leader was actually I guess a corrupt cop who was trying to destroy the evidence that the gang leader had collected the, to, to blackmail the police with. The brother decides to stay uh, in the criminal underworld and I guess become the new gang leader, I think is implied is what is Probably. about to happen. And then the main character and his brother part ways. Yeah. Um, so, Crossman, this was your uh, selection, The Raid, Colon, Redemption. Um, what, <laughs> what brought you to this movie? I, this movie is great. Oh, uh, that's a good reason. Yeah, I really <laughs> enjoy the, I mean, this is a martial arts movie. The plot is pretty inane. There's, it's very minimal plotting. I'm impressed you took that away from it. <laughs> that's like... You, you dug deep. It's there. <laughs> I feel like Charles, you knew more about this than I did, yeah. like plot-wise. It, it's, it's all in the script. It is. It the, is, yeah. The, the dialogue is probably like 10 pages, maybe. <laughs> uh, but I think what's important about this movie is uh, in the action scenes, and it's, it's incredible. Yes. Uh, it's paced very intensely there's only like a few down moments in the film it takes maybe like five to ten minutes for the movie to get going and when it goes it like doesn't stop yeah and this feels like a movie that's influenced a lot of action movies since in particular the mad max fury road movie which has a similar intensity Mm -hmm. I, i think this movie is like doing a lot of interesting things in it's pacing, it's willingness to show pretty gory action. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does not shy away. It, it does not shy away at all. Yeah, maybe that's where to start. I don't know, what do you think of this movie? I mean, it's, it's a blast. Like, it's, it's, yeah. I've seen it once before this, because I like totally missed it when it first came out. It was just not on my radar at all. Well, a lot of people did. It's just like yeah. an Indonesian <laughs> film. Right. And it's yeah. not like, you know, it's rare for any, any foreign film any, to make it right, but especially the Pacific Islands and yeah, yeah, like you, I don't know if I've seen. I certainly haven't seen any other Indonesian film. I don't think. I think I first started to hear about this film around like 2014. I think that's when, when I saw people it. People just like started talking about it. That like, hey, this movie, The Raid, like you gotta see it. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, it started getting attention around the same time John Wick came out because the the lineage between those two movies is so clear and John Wick was such a surprise hit mm-hmm. for so many people. Yeah, John um, Wick is another good example of an action movie like this movie. Yeah, I think John Wick is better than this movie, but I think it's close enough. Um, and mm-hmm. the, yeah, the connection between the two of them is clear. Like I think you can draw a pretty straight line from like End of the Dragon to Hard Boiled to like The Matrix and this. Right, and then John Wick and yeah. and Atomic Blonde, um, and Mad Max is in there too somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I think what those what this movie kind of makes up in stylization. Yeah, though its practical effects are like really incredible, and we don't need to get into that 
just had. Charles, you hadn't seen this movie. What did you think of it? I thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a feeling you might. <laughs> I appreciate any good action film, and people are always talking about how this is such an influential movie. And like, this is a hell amazing. of a film. Yeah, I feel like normally yeah. I tend to. One of the reasons I didn't see this one is I tend to prefer like gun and car action or like sci-fi action, and this one's more martial artsy, right? But even then, like, I still really enjoyed it. It was still really well done and awesome to see. Yeah, it starts as a gun movie, but they seem yeah, to, like, bit. run out of ammo pretty quickly. That's and what it feels it, like, right? Yeah. And then it, like, yes. switches to, like, a knife movie, and yeah. then yep. they seem to, like, lose, lose the knives. <laughs> and then they just punch each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love that about it. That it's just, like, yeah. they don't find new guns. They're just like, well, we're out of ammo now. And it feels like, not even a de-escalation, but, like, it gets more primal, right? Like, yeah. they have to rely on... Mm -hmm just like found objects and then even that stops being a thing. Yeah, I, I find myself kind of like clenching my jaws uh, <laughs> yeah. when it's going, because it's so in intense. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so intense. Well, and uh, the interesting thing about it, well, there's a lot of interesting things, but the most intense moment for me is when they're hiding in the wall in that guy's apartment, and yes. the guy's yeah. like stabbing the machete yeah. through the wall to try to find him, and it's this like, lo in a sense, low violence moment, but for me that's the most memorable sequence in the film. And like when he like just nicks the guy's cheek and he has to like not say just anything to wipe as he the blood off. Yeah, as he pulls the knife out, like it's just such great filmmaking. And um, we get that really cool bird's eye shot where you can see them behind the wall as the guy's searching the apartment on the other side of the wall. And that to yeah. me that is just so memorable. And it it, it speaks to I think the director's talent that he's able to draw out that much tension and not necessarily lean on the martial art talent of his actors or just the spectacle of gunplay, right? That he can still do it in this like low action moment is yeah. very impressive. For yeah. Sure. yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know if there are any particulars. There, I'm sure there were particular sequences that stood out for everybody, but that was the one for me. Yeah, that's a great sequence. Yeah. And another like nice like low-tech filmmaking yes um, I think which I think this movie does a really good job of like exemplifying that there so apparently there were like computer-generated effects in this film but they're like used for like very simple things like muzzle flashes on uh, guns yeah, yeah that's the only spot sense. I noticed it yeah but where I was like okay that's a computer and like cartridges yeah. being like ejected out of mm -hmm. guns they just like that's th those are like it's pretty dangerous at the effects in such close quarters to have like blanks even right? and, yes and they're shooting people in the face yeah. <laughs> yes yeah you can't fire blanks that close to someone I'm pretty sure yeah you will you will hurt them like they'll yeah. get burned um, yeah they'll get burned and they'll, they'll, they'll go deaf like it's so loud yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally um, so so the practicality of the film is like real like pure filmmaking like capital F like filmmaking is yes here. Yeah, the, the, in, in the sense that there's really a craft to it. Yeah. Right? Like they're actually constructing something and, and putting it on screen, uh, which makes sense in a martial arts film because really that's the appeal of, of the martial arts films that you really are seeing them do the thing, right? We talked about that with Enter the Dragon, and it's true here too. They're actually executing these maneuvers. Yeah. It feels like kind of a lost art, even that, like, and I think that's why the movie resonated with people so much. It's just that, like, they, the martial art is specific to Indonesia, apparently. I forget the name of it. I have no um, idea. But they, they hit so <laughs> fast. Like, yeah, they're that, just so fast. It's so <laughs> yes. reminiscent of Bruce Lee's yes. work. It's um, so impressive to see how fast yeah. they attack each other. And, like, the fight choreography in this was all 
super incredible, very stylish, very fun to watch. And it doesn't look like it's being sped up, which right. you can like sometimes yeah. like, catch. they're just like that fast. They're just like, doing it. Yeah, their twitch muscles are just like, and they really, they start the film off where the guy's like kind of practicing. Well, first he's praying. praying. Uh, and then he's fighting. Uh, <laughs> that's that's that enough of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I wondered about that because, like, I think Indonesia is like the largest um, Muslim population in the world. Right? Yes. So, for them, maybe that shot is just like our shots of a guy waking up and brushing his teeth, right? I yeah. Have no idea. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I saw a reference to that that like the um, the director kind of wanted to like set this particular character up as being like. Pious, because he's like our main character and yeah, hero. He, he's like the most like pure, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and they do that because I mean, it's not just the prayer because he, he does do that. But then he's like tending to his wife, and he's yeah. up at the crack of dawn so he can start working right away, so he yeah. can be a better cop. And like, oh, oh, like that whole first couple minutes there is just like, look at how good a guy this is. Yeah, like, and that is. And then he goes yeah. to the punching bag, and yeah, the, even the punching bag, he's just like. Brutal on it. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Again, it's so, it's so like, fast. Whoa, this is like a whole new thing. Yeah. 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 What, I, what I found interesting there is that the first shot, the literal first frame of the film is not him praying. It's a shot of his, like a nightstand or a bedstand or something, and there's a gun and a watch. And it's like, that's what this movie's about, right? It's shooting time. It's, right. Yeah. Like, it's violence, and, it's, and there's always a, a clock ticking, yeah. right? That there's always this sense of urgency to it. And it's like, it really they're, is. they're literally... They're, they're I did notice they, they were checking their watches a lot. Right, exactly. Like the and they're, middle or early third of the film. Yeah, they're making it physical, like, from the opening shots. Like, these are the two things that we're going to be focusing on here, mm -hmm. is time and violence. <laughs> and that's exactly what happens. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we've seen this movie inspire that or, or draw out an interest in that kind of physical filmmaking because uh, yeah you mentioned John Wick yep. earlier uh, which I love I know Charles likes you're also yeah, a big great. fan of yeah. Yeah. Um, even the sequel which was not as good was still a very good movie yeah um, and, and then also Atomic Blonde like that, that sequence in Atomic Blonde when they're in the apartment building going up and down the stairs like yeah, it's incredible. It, quite possibly one of the best action sequences yeah, ever. It was funny to film. compare that one to yeah. the raid because I feel like after one of the fights in the raid, they'd be kind of how they were at the end of the atomic blonde fight. Yeah, just barely hanging like together, gasping for breath. Yeah, and then he just like takes a breather for a few minutes and is right back to full strength. Right. I, but, yeah. I mean, it's not yeah. meant to be realistic. Yeah, it's just funny to compare the two because the whole time I was thinking of that fight in Atomic Blonde and how tired they got, and I just found it a funny juxtaposition. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, they also, like, people get pretty seriously injured and they're, like, kind of okay in this movie. So, But then not well, in other situations. Well, right. Yeah. Kinda, like, the main character, like... Yeah. He gets the crowd kicked out of him. It, Several times. He, like, yeah. he seems did, he mostly get, okay. like, shot or stabbed, did he? So I don't think so, but he definitely got hit so in the he, face so he's okay. a lot. And at one yeah. moment in the film, he like pushes somebody out a window and goes yes. down with them. Yes, like, oh yeah, like, two, <laughs> lands on half floors. of them. Yeah, yeah. and, and like, they, oh, he's fine. He's messed up, but then he's like able to like pull it back together. Right, like he, if, if anybody were to actually do it, didn't that. John Wick do that move? I think he did something like that. Yes. That sounds, it rings a bell. Anyway, you're, you're probably right. But yeah, anybody else would have been concussed several times over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they did what this guy did, they would be. Maybe, that, maybe that's why he just stopped feeling pain toward the end of the movie. Right, right he just literally lost the capacity yeah. to feel pain. 
Um, One of the things that this movie does well is it establishes its sense of place really yeah. well. Uh, like its setting, like makes so much sense. Like they just like so it's it's a tall apartment building. There's a central atrium to it. The our main characters start on the lower level and move up, and then they kind of shift down and up. A Floors a few open. times, but it's very easy to like track. It's, like, like, it's kind of like a video game. It's very it's easy a, to track your progression lot, through yes. the levels. It's a lot like, like a video game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he even gets, he, like, at the beginning of the movie, he like gets a side quest from the guy to like <laughs> go and bring medicine Please to his help wife. My sick wife on 4 7. It's, it's literally just like a, it, this, is, this is a very video game inspired movie. Like, I think yeah. it's even intentional. Like, on oh, top sure, of just like yeah. the premise of it being. The you're, boss is at the top. The boss is at the top. You're fighting all these like mini bosses along the way, right? You have to like save people or not, like make these little yeah, easy but moral it, it, choices. It's not like strictly a video game movie, so it frees itself with some, from some of those pitfalls. Right. It's not a, yeah. It's not attached to any. You use it as a IP. framework to yeah. tell your story, and it's much more effective that way. Right. But I think we're seeing that a lot, like movies that are inspired by video game tropes, because the people making movies now have grown up with games. Yeah. And like they understand the visual signifiers of video games and the the tropes of video games better, and it's naturally going to come into their work. Well, it's just so easy to like visually track where we are in this. It's shot really well. Yeah, like the movie doesn't do the Liam Neeson fence jump kind of stuff <laughs> where it's yeah. cutting a lot. It, it does use editing, but it still like establishes its place really well and right. does a good job of like letting the action be shown on screen. Yeah, it edits and for clarity as opposed to editing to conceal. Yeah. Right? Yep. And Which is common in martial yes. arts movies, but it's still like film making 101, right? That a lot of films don't do well. Yes, if it were easy, this wouldn't be a huge deal, right? Yeah. Like this yeah. wouldn't be impressive yeah. if it were easy, and it's not easy. Right, just like showing what's actually going on in a clear way yeah. is hard. I think even the Fast and the Furious movies have like learned some lessons from this movie, where it's like, yeah, show act, like physical action mm -hmm. on screen, whether it's cars or f fighting. Yeah, and it, it just goes so, it goes such a long way. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think with those, with this movie, to a degree, and John Wick especially are reacting to is the Bourne movies. Mm -hmm. Right, like yeah. I think they're learning lessons. They're learning from the mistakes of those movies, right? And in, in this, this shaky cam, right? Blur. Everything's blurred. yeah. Everything's blurred. You can't Good. see what's going on. You can't tell where anybody is. And they they do it to suggest chaos, but yeah. it, it's not chaotic. It's just disorienting. Yeah. Right. Whereas this movie is chaotic. Like you get the sense that these guys don't really know what's going on, and that like anything could happen at any time. But the, each individual thing that happens, we can take it in as an audience and understand it, yeah. right? And that, I think, is is the distinction between those movies, as opposed yeah. to looking like chaos and actually being chaos. And bo the Bourne movies just look like chaos. It's Yeah, it's also part of the intensity of the film where, like, the threats are literally, yeah. like, could be anywhere. And they're just popping out of every corner. <laughs> yes. And there's a lot of tension built up with, like, shadows underneath doors, mm -hmm. and, like, the yeah. cops are, like, looking at the door and... Like it takes a long time to get there, but suddenly, like the, everything explodes. Right. I really and, yeah. loved the yeah. scene where, yeah. the like the action first starts, uh, when like the power is completely shut out, and then like the door slowly opens and the police like react to it and shoot it, but it light it, the the muzzle flash like lights up the room, mm -hmm. and then there's that slow mo shot of like the the 
the gangsters above seeing everything and the shadow across the wall. Yeah. That was a beautiful scene. Yeah. Well, it, it comes it reads like an actual starting gun, right? Like yeah. they're not they're, they're not sneaky anymore, right? Like there's no hiding anymore. Like yeah. this is what we're doing. Um, it, to me, like at that scene especially, there were so many war movie images, right? Like so many tropes like specific to what I would expect to see in like Platoon or Thin Red Line or something like that, right? Or Saving Private Ryan, right? Like where you have just like piles of bodies, you know, stacked up in a hallway or something like that. And you don't always see that in action movies, right? You, you, you don't always see like the aftermath. You don't, you don't see the, this kind of war-like imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I found it striking on this viewing that it was drawing on that resource so much. And I, and I, I don't know if that was necessarily supposed to be a, a commentary on you know, militarizing the police or something like that, but it, it, it occurred to me here um, that that the film was using similar language, similar cinematic yeah. language. Or it could just be showing the cost of violence. Right, right, but I mean, it's showing the cost of violence, it's, but it's doing it in a way where you, you have like these, th- these heavily armored up police officers, right? Like they're literally wearing helmets, like you would in the military, like they're in yeah. this transport. Which does yeah. make them very hard to track. By design. Yeah, yeah. the main characters are like, very difficult to follow. It's not until like the very end of the film that I'm like, oh, you kind of you kind of lose them until the there's nobody left to get him mixed up with. Right. Well, yeah. and he eventually like sheds his armor and his hat and everything. And, like, yeah, and it's at that point you start to like recognize these characters, but before then they feel yeah. very like concealed. C- yeah, anonymous even. Yeah, 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 and it's hard to act in that much stuff. Oh yeah, right? of course. Yeah, yeah, it just makes the job that much harder. Um, but again, it recalls the military, right? Because you, you see mili- you see war movies do that all the time, where they like Black Hawk Down would do that. Right, where they like dress guys up in a similar outfit, like on purpose to make them all look the same and harder yeah. to, to And that's why people follow. always forget how many people were in Black Hawk Down. Right, because like every celebrity was in that one. Just yeah, literally every single one. And they were intentionally uh, kept obscure um, for for that reason, the, the anonymity of, of death in wartime. I haven't seen that movie in a minute. It's good. Really? You didn't it even like up. it? I think so. I, I guess I haven't seen it in a while either. I remember it being good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember liking it. I yeah. feel like it's probably problematic. But. I mean, I'm that sure one I did see, is. but only way back when. Also. Yeah, it's been a little while, and maybe yeah, maybe there's problems with it now, but um, I remember liking I'm it. I'm going to assume it's problematic. Yeah, it seems that's a safe, <laughs> most movies are, right? That's a pretty safe guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but what I recalled watching this within the context of Indonesia, keeping all the military cinematic languages in mind, was the mass killings of communists during the giant military coup in Indonesia because of the use of the machete. It's, I, I, I don't know all of the cinematic language and cultural signifiers in Indonesia, obviously, yeah. but my understanding is that the machete specifically played a prominent role during this mass killing in Indonesia in the, the 60s. Um, I think it was 68 and 69, uh, and that seemed thoughtful to me. That seemed like they were doing something on purpose. That they're they're drawing on that machete imagery, with the bad guys like constantly wielding that weapon, especially like in the midpoint of the film. The, um, those machete fights are brutal. Yes, but, yes, they are. Are there lots of like they're crossing blades like swords, but they're so short that like yeah, you're like right there. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> It's so intense. Yes. There's even one point where they're like hanging onto a character's leg and he like gets all the way just in time and like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At one yeah. point, like a guy is stabbed in the armpit 
<laughs> with one of those machetes. I'm yeah. like, yeah, like that's just one of those one of those things that you don't like consider to be an option until you see it happen, and it's like, oh god, I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but that imagery, I think that that's what it called to mind to me is yeah. is the that you know the major event in modern Indonesian history um, that kind of defined the course of the the country for decades. Um, so I don't know how much this director was relying on that, but uh, the director is European and yes. writer. Um, but he was like everyone else involved is is Indonesian or Southeast Asian, so, right? Yeah. Right. So I I don't know how much of that is is conscious, but it seems like if you have the bad guys wheeling a bunch of machetes to murder innocent people and show fields of dead bodies in your Indonesian movie, like yeah. that's naturally going to to call that. Uh, to recall that event mm -hmm. to me. The one like moment that really stuck out to me in those machete scenes is someone gets stabbed in the leg yes. and then they oh. don't stop there and the guy yes. like drags the blade like down the guy's leg and they- He did that, that's the main it, character doing that. Yes. Yeah. With the, he was using a knife and I think he did that like twice. I was like, damn, this movie is like going there. You gotta, like, sure, you gotta make sure they can't like come back up and fight you again, right? Well, yeah, yeah that guy's not getting up for a while. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's having a, pretty fucking brutal. a rough time. But what I saw, I was like, whoa, like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, like really Yikes, stood right? out to me this time. Yeah. The other brutally violent moment, uh, the sort of fight scene. So there's this character. His character name is Mad Dog. Apparently, and he's sure. kind of the like boss bad guy. He's not the boss boss, but he's like the like the mini boss. The fighting. He's boss. the enforcer. Yeah, the guy that's and searching the apartment. Right, that guy. Uh yes, yes, okay. Yeah. And he, um, you, we see him kill another police officer in a pretty amazing fight right. scene where he like has him yeah, the, the with a gun. Sergeant yeah, and then he puts the gun down and they just like fight it out, um, which is an incredible. Oh, I, I was thinking of somebody else. I do know who you're talking about, but yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah that scene is amazing. Yeah, uh, Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that scene in particular is just like amazing. And that's where you really see the, the yeah. art of martial art here. Well, and yeah. I think what you see there cinematically is how the director is treating these, ex especially these extended action sequences like a narrative, right? Like that you, where you can point to the certain, you can point to the rising action, you can point to like the central conflict, you can see like all these little stories playing out throughout this action sequence such that the advantage and disadvantage is always shifting, you know, who's in control and who isn't. Yeah, is no, nobody seems around. invincible. Right, and like, and you yeah. you have the sense of the, there being a beginning and a middle and an end to the sequence itself, which is, I think, speaks to a thoughtfulness and an intent behind how these scenes are constructed, rather than it just being, I thought of a cool move, here it is, here's another cool move, yeah. boom, 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 that they're they're happening in a way that connects to the previous one and connects to the characters in a, 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 to build a narrative structure. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how those scenes were written. Or is it like, yeah. how much is like in the script? How much is just choreographed? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm sure that the, this director probably had a very heavy hand in, in choreographing yeah. these, these scenes. Uh, the script is apparently written in English. And then, originally. yeah, and then it took like a while to get it translated to Indonesia. Right, such yeah. that apparently a lot of the lines were at least partially in, improvised. Uh, from by the, uh, the part of the Indonesian yeah. actors, um, predictably so. So who knows how, what our you know subtitles look like and how yeah. accurate they are. Um, but yeah, evidently it was an English language script, 
that was, yeah, we then moved over to animation. And then shortly after that fight scene, we see the same character fight our main character and his brother. Yes, which is the, uh, the climax of the film, really. Climax of the film. Yeah. Uh, and his brother's, like, quite injured, but they both are involved in the yes. fight. Yes, and He just takes and them both on. And it's incredible. Yeah. It's yeah. super awesome. Yeah, there's a reason that was the climax of the movie. And that's and yeah. the director does the same thing there, right? Where he has these these narrative beats to it almost yeah. within this, you know, five, ten minute sequence. Lots of body throws where they pick people up and throw the like yeah. just like throw a grown man across the room. <laughs> yes. Or like, or out a window. <laughs> like yeah. there's more than one defenestration in this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and and the one time when he goes with him out the window. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, that move they return to a lot. It's so it really shows off their like skill a lot because they're well, and just their pure physical strength. Right? Yeah, like lifting yeah. someone and tossing them, especially that, that quickly, is very difficult. <laughs> like you, have to be, you have to be very strong. Yeah. Yeah. Like setting aside your technique, like you just have to be physically very powerful strength, yeah. to, to do that. Um, and yeah, it happens several times in this movie. Um, and it's extraordinary. This is a, it's a long fight sequence too. It's yeah. like, I, I didn't time it, but it felt like it was about you know, eight to nine movie minutes. Right around there. So much so that they cut away, have another scene, and then come back, and they're still, still fighting. fighting, and then the fight goes for a few minutes. Yeah, well, and um, it's that's another moment where the editing comes through, right, like on, on like a macro level, Yeah. right? Because like choosing, to, choosing where to make that cut is really important, like in terms of, because it breaks up the high intensity moment of the you fight scene. You get like scene. a breather. Yeah, you get this breather, you know, away from what's going on, but then also like bringing it back and like reconstructing that the tension, the tension you had in the prior scene. So difficult to do, right? Like, and to make, and to draw the connective mm -hmm. tissue from the earlier segment, you know, with the break and then connecting it to the second segment. That's really challenging. And to like maintain the tension and the, the flow of what you're doing while while having that break in there at a spot that makes sense. Really yeah. tough. Not as easy as it looks. Yeah, and it really like makes the film work, I think. Yeah. That like you have these like small down moments that like give you the mental space to like well, it's like, oh okay, this is not like right. all gasoline on fire. <laughs> yeah, because I think yeah. what would happen if you don't have that is that the audience just checks out. Right, where it's just like well, eventually it just becomes like a soupy mess. You, you, yeah, you can't. Out, yeah, yeah, you can't take it all in. It's just like so much motion, so much action, and so much violence just taking it in all at once. Like yeah. you start, you you are unable to pick out the the, the beats of it. So yeah. you need time to mentally recuperate yeah. as a viewer. Mad Max does a really good job of this, where they sort of like they get to where they're going and are disappointed. Yes, and then they're like, well, the only choice we have is to go back. Yes, and but you have this like ten to fifteen minutes. Of downtime, yeah. Well, and, and yeah. even like on the journey there, they have several, right? Like they they have yeah. like even if it's just Charlie's Theron and um, and Tom Hardy having two or three lines of dialogue exchanged, which happens, you know, a couple times. Like that's enough to just uh, a build the characters and still just like give us the space to like be in the world and to not you know be fighting, yeah. right? And even some of the action sequences in that movie, like the the sniper sequence. Right, like it's an action sequence. Like there is a violence being done, but it's more open and has more space. I mean, when it's at night, and it's all blue. Yes, yes, which is a great, it's great a quiet sequence. sequence. Yes, exactly. That's a good way to think of it. Um, and yeah, that movie does the same thing. 
man, that's a good movie. <laughs> so how do you compare the, the Raid the with Mad Max? Like, what, what do you see in Mad Max that came from the Raid, do you think? Because like, they seem like very different types of action to me, because Mad Max is about like the big bombastic like car action sequences. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's like really huge, whereas the Raid feels a lot more intimate, very closely packed in. Yeah, I think that the, the, you've identified one of the clearest differences, right? And I think that that is important, right? Yeah, because I feel like the, those lend themselves to very different types of action directing. I think where there's, I, I think you can point to a specific scene in Fury Road that I think draws this, the similarities really clearly, and it's when uh, Furiosa and Max first meet, right? So I don't, I don't know if you remember that sequence, but like he is still has the chain around himself, um, and he's trying to. Get a get, gun. Yeah, he's trying to get the gun. Sometimes they're trying to get a tool or something like that. And they're constantly, like, she's pulling on the chain to get him away from it at the last moment. And if you watch that sequence and try to identify where your um, feelings lie, whose side you're on throughout that sequence, it will change, like, five or six times. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, just the way that he constructs that, that sequence and who we're rooting for and who is winning and who is losing. Like, who we want to win is constantly shifting during just that you know three four minutes on screen, and I think that that kind of narrative, like dial, no dialogue narrative that he constructs that in that moment in Fury Road draws a lot from from the yeah. raid, right? Because you see that it, not so much that uh, that alliances are shifting, like the audience's alliances aren't shifting during the raid, but the narrative beat that you're seeing within the action sequences are replicated in Fury Road. Okay. And I think that Miller takes it to another level. I think that Fury Road is a better movie than The Raid, which is not really that damning of The Raid because Fury Road is probably a top three action movie of all time. But I think that that kind of stuff, he, is, he probably watched The Raid and said, yes, I can, I can do that. Yeah, and just the, the way that he shoots is like very similar in its sensibility where it's like just show the whole action. Yes. Mm -hmm. And even if it's cars, even if it's martial arts, it's like just show, show what you're trying to show. Yeah, even if you just do it once, right? Like yeah. you look at like how the cars are oriented, or like early in, in Fury Road when they're first like fleeing from everyone, you get like a pretty high wide wide angle shot that shows you how far away everything is, like who's who is gaining on them, like how fast they're going, and he uses that kind of establishing shot to to set up everything else that happens after it, mm. right? And I think that the raid, like that, that scene that you pointed out where you have the bad guys on the higher level looking yep. down across the atrium at the, at the good guys hiding out, you know, in the dark, like that, that we see all of that is really important, mm -hmm. right? And, and if we don't have that, everything that happens afterwards doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and like you place everyone and then you let it go haywire. Exactly, right. Yeah. And so many movies, I think, skip that place everyone moment. Yeah. And and suffer because of it. Yeah. Uh, the other, I think, sensibility that Mad Max borrows from the raid is do it real. And yeah. like a lot of the effects in Mad Max were done with real cars. Like mm -hmm. they had CGI assistance for some things, but people jumping from car to car was like real actors like doing that. And this movie like feels very real. That movie feels yeah. very physical because of that. Yeah. Just the weight of things is like where we talked about earlier with like the throwing of bodies, like you can really f sense the weight of yeah, You can't of see that you that. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the same with the, you know, you see the car flips in 
Mad Max. And it's like, yeah, they've like really flipped that car. Yeah. Fast and Furious has started doing that too, um, which mm -hmm. is good because like the early Fast and Furious movies, they yeah, a uh, lot of CG, a lot of CGI, they like the terrible, the second and third <laughs> movie in particular. Even the fourth one, I think, had a lot. Of yeah, and they just switched over to just like let's just do this real, and yeah. it's like. Helped that series a lot. Absolutely. I think it's part of the reason it's been so so successful. And it's more yeah. tempting to do it with vehicles, right? Because it's so much easier to CG vehicles than people. Yeah. Right. Like mm -hmm. it, it just looks more plausible, and really, like even if you're looking for it, a lot of times you won't won't notice it, right? Like the, I mean, the, your insurance costs go sky yeah, high. Yeah. Also, you just learned that yeah. most car ads are yeah. all CG cars. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, which isn't surprising, but I didn't realize that because it seems like it's not that hard to. To see a car just driving down a highway, right. but right? if you want, apparently to they CG them. Yeah, uh, I, I, it was. It's a little off topic, but they have this cool like rig that is like a car that can like change in size for different Interesting. car ads. Okay, and then they just CG the car over that. Huh. Uh, yeah. And apparently the reason they have to do this is because like, you know, the actual like trim of the car can change between the production of the ad and the actual release of the car. So they can like modify these little things with the CG. Interesting. Uh, and obviously they can like make it look really perfect. Uh, that's, with the, the CG. that's the real reason, right? Like yeah. if you want your car to look per absolutely but ideal. Since you, yeah. yeah. But since you have the rig, it still has the weight of a real car because you're still driving a vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, you just attach the car to it. I just thought that was really cool to discover. I, yeah, I didn't know that all those details about it. That's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, you look at like returning to the Bourne movies again. Like, I think that the most famous and probably still the, the sequences in that that hold up the best are the car chase sequences. And so yeah. many of like the cars that he like just misses when he's driving down a staircase or whatever. Yeah. Aren't real. Like they were never there. He didn't just miss it. They just inserted it. Yeah. But you didn't notice because it's so much easier to CG objects and vehicles than people. Um, and you, I think a lot. If you of do them in quick flashes, they don't. Exactly, and it, it totally works. Uh, Mission Impossible movies would do the same. The same move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, th this movie is remarkably similar to <coughs> the Dread 3D that came out in 2012. Down to like very specific details. Okay. So it is almost exactly the same plot. Like yep. I had seen Dread before, and we're about to see it again this week. Which um, I'm but very much looking forward people to. People <laughs> had commented to me that it was exactly the raid, and I didn't realize to what extent. And then the raid started happening, and I'm like, yep. Yeah. Every, every extent. So yep. have have you seen Dread 3D? I haven't also? actually. You're missing out. Evidently, um, it's it's uh, it's verging on the bad. It's good. Okay. Kind of, but it. I, I, I think it's actually good. Good. Yeah. For like, it's an action movie, right? But I just remember it being really good action. Um, it's remarkably similar in a lot of ways. So they're both set in buildings with large central atriums. Both the okay. movies, the action starts on the first floor and works the way up to the top. <clears throat> they're taking down a gang leader who's making drugs. Yep. Uh, okay, so like that. the literal plot beats. Uh, pretty yeah. much. There is a hiding in the wall sequence in Dread, if I recall correctly. Wow. I don't remember um, the movie that well. I saw it back in 2012, so yeah. it's been a while. And uh, you know, a number of people get thrown down through the atrium, <laughs> which happens in both I mean, how can films. you not, right? Yeah. It's right there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the reason to, to do it uh, in a building like this. So um, apparently this is all coincidental, though. Uh, really? So Dread uh, actually started filming before mm -hmm. the raid. It finished after. Okay. Um, and a lot of people have noticed the similarities, and it's entirely coincidental. That's wild. Yeah. Huh. Because they're... Yeah. They, it, Dread 
for a while is convinced was just a remake of the raid, and I <laughs> yeah, I, was, I had to look this up because I was so curious about that. There uh, was yeah. there's rumors or hearsay that there was a leaked script of Dread that came out like before the raid was produced, but I'm not sure how true that is. I just read a little snippet about and, that. And how there's such visual movies that how could like even right. if you shot them shot for shot, like you'd never end up with the same. Yeah. Thing, right, and there's remarkable similarities between the two films. Huh, that's uh, wild. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing Dread on the big <laughs> yeah, screen again because I, I really I like. I did not Dread get to see it on the big screen, so I'm excited for that too. I was one of the I few that it. did. Yeah, <laughs> um, not many people saw it. Uh, otherwise, otherwise, they probably would have made a sequel. The Raid got a sequel, but Dread did not, and people are pretty sad about that. Yeah, I haven't seen the Raid sequel either. I haven't either. I've heard it's fine. Okay. Um, they were planning a third one too, and they just like said it was not going to happen. Okay. Well, so. there's still time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, like these movies lend themselves to sequels so easily, right? Like yeah. John Wick is getting a, as I, I think recently started filming the third installment. That's great. Yeah. Atomic Blonde's got a sequel. Atomic Blonde has a sequel coming up um, eventually. Sadly, Nomad Max sequel. I mean, that just must be a lack of desire on Miller's part like, or something. I, th I think there's some like legal dispute between the studio and Miller, which just sucks. That Maybe does it's suck. Steve Mnuchin's fault because uh, he was the producer on Mad Max. <laughs> <Yeah. Road. laughs> there it is. Yeah, we, we we found a culprit. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Yeah. Like, Wait, this is a feminist movie. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> he uh, he's also the producer on um, all the DC films. I did. I knew that one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Must be why they are terrible. Yes. Yeah. Um, He's a bad person. So. Yeah, well, pick a member of that of that administration, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Uh, so if people have compared it to like Armageddon versus like Deep Impact. Like, like oh, that, that kind in of, terms like, of that thinking, where it's just like in the zeitgeist for whatever reason. Like Bugs yeah. Life and Ants. Yeah. <laughs> Although that that there's there's something. Like scummy ant, going on there, yeah, if I recall correctly. Yeah, ants came later, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's the one that was ripping off. Yeah, Bugs Life. Um, but yeah, this was just like the little movie that could, I think, where like it it did some some film festivals, and then it started winning awards, so it started doing more film festivals, and then got like a, a DVD release, and I think it was actually in theaters briefly, but nobody knew what it was, so I didn't. Yeah, mm -hmm. and. Then it just became this like cult movie. Yeah, Dread well, went the other way, where it bombed in theaters. But since is like people have it's become kind of yeah a cult brought it back yeah. up. I don't think it was a huge bomb, but it, it lost like a good amount of money, like yeah. in the millions. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we've kind of seen this genre res resurgence recently. Like it's mostly been focused on horror films, mm -hmm. but I think you start you start seeing it spreading out into other movies as well, right, or other genres as well. Where like people are starting to, like, just go and see these movies in the theater and start to care about it and take them seriously and talk about them in a, in a serious way where you are comfortable saying like, yes, Mad Max Fury Road is one of the greatest movies ever made, and like not feeling absurd when you say that, right? <laughs> like, because it, it's true, um, and I think that the rate is a beneficiary of that, right? Like, if this movie had been made mm -hmm. in the '90s, or early 2000s, let's say, like maybe it takes a little while for people to find it again. Maybe it doesn't get all this attention. Maybe yeah. it doesn't inspire you know three different film franchises. There were like a few VHS sleeper hits in the '90s that stuck out to me. Fight Club is one of them. Uh, Boondock yes. Saints is another. That, that movie's terrible though. But it was huge <laughs> among the like 
people that are college taste. bro yeah. thing. Have you seen Boondock Saints? I have. The movie's awful. It, it's it was so, bad. It's so bad. I agree. <laughs> like, it's not just one of like movies I, that's I like... I only saw it because of all the hype it got. Right, right? well, same here. Like, yeah, when you're a 13-year-old guy, like... In, yeah. yeah. I <laughs> guess. Politics are super reactionary than a movie like that. Oh, God. I, feel, I think I saw it when I was like 14 or 15, and I still thought this was just the dumbest fucking movie. It was... Really? I, I, I kind of liked it when I yeah. first saw it. Okay. Now I, I think it's awful, but it's, I, I liked it as a teenager. Oh, man, I yeah. did not. Like, I think I had like, watched too much Tarantino at that point. And I just had seen it that oh, done and it's, well. It's aping Tarantino and poorly, so poorly, <laughs> yeah. right? Like it just is totally misunderstanding everything he does. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's why it, it didn't ever land for me. But man, like that's still one of the movies I think of as like an all-time worst movie. Yeah. When I when I try to think of the movies I hate, like Boondock the documentary Saints. about that film is great. That's a documentary about Boondock mm -hmm. Saints. Yeah, wow. it's called. Um, what is it called? It's called like Downfall or something like sure. that, where it's like. <laughs> Hey, wait, isn't that the movie about Hitler dying? I was just about to say. <laughs> oh, maybe. <Yeah>. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually really good. Dying. Like, that movie's great. No, it's it's a documentary where the guy, the director's, like, friend was, like, shooting it. And sure. then they had, like, a major falling out. And it's about the, like, implosion of the director. <laughs> that sounds way better than the actual movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really, really good. And it goes into, like, how he, so the Weinstein Company is the one that produced... Uh, the one, movie when it came out. One more sin on his consciousness. And they, they like, took all the money, essentially. Well, that's the point. So the, yeah. <laughs> so the guy who's, like, you know, shot a film for $400,000 and it's, like, a $100 million success or something. Gets, yeah. yeah literally zero. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's about this, like, kind of implosion of this, of this guy. That's and enough to, like, drive you It's a really insane. amazing, like, character yeah. study. Yeah, that's enough to drive you crazy. Yeah. In a very literal way. <laughs> like, that's enough to drive you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, shockingly, the guy's a terrible person. So. Well, what do you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It eventually got a sequel, too, right? It did. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's So terrible. I think he made his money there, but, yeah. Yeah, but then he inflicted another Boondock Saints movie on the world. So. Well, the sequel is even worse. So you saw the sequel? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You say that like, of course. Why? Why wouldn't yeah. I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's awful. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> what did you expect? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this movie's way better, um, and yeah. I'm I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we live in a culture that can like finally start taking this stuff seriously and, and start not not seriously in like a you know Maldman or Dower mm. way, but seriously in a way that like we should think about this as a real movie that. That matters. Yeah, I think... Taking the art seriously. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and you made reference to it earlier. Like, the Hong Kong action films, like, very clearly influenced this. And it's great to go back and watch those as well. Yes. A lot of those films have a lot of, like, kind of plotting plots, though. And you you get these, like, really great action sequences in, in the Hong Kong films. But then the plots are just this, like, garbled <laughs> mess of, like... Betrayals. Betray yeah, it's always <laughs> yes. betrayals. It's always two men who are like friends and and brothers, and like they're you know they're betraying each other or they're like saving each other. It's the one's a cop and one's a a criminal. <laughs> it's yep. it's always that. It's always like the duality and like there's a religious aspect to it. Yeah. Lots you know, of like I don't know. doves. I, I yeah. went out and yeah. saw Hard Boiled. I didn't go out. I, yeah. I saw Hard Boiled at home. <laughs> Stayed uh, in because it's hard yeah because it's got so much hype around it, and I actually didn't really like it that much. I don't like that style of action, I don't think, like no? the John Woo style. Because, yeah. like, the way he does gunplay, it, it takes away a lot of the weight like, around Jumping around gunplay. all the time. 
Yeah. I just feel like those movies, there's no recoil or reloading on any of the guns, and it just makes everything <laughs> feel very cheap. It's all like Mac 10, just like. Exactly. <laughs> they're just hosing down with the guns as if they were kids playing with toys, yeah. and there just feels like there's no weight around any of the action. Yeah. It just all feels very inconsequential and cheap. I think what's important about those films, though, is that they like sort of establish a style that. Mm -hmm is built upon with films oh, yeah, like The Raid. And I, I like the John Woo films. I think they're fun to watch. And there are a few other directors working in similar yeah, subject matter. Yeah, I was reminded of... But Peck, I, the plots are silly. Yeah, yeah. I, I was reminded of Peck and Paw in this viewing um, and The Wild Bunch and, and those kind of like late-era westerns um, that were way more violent than, <laughs> than most of the earlier like John Ford-style uh, western movies because... You look at like both the opening and the closing sequences in, in Wild Bunch, and there's a lot of parallels here. Just like that, the same way that the geography is drawn, and that the action feels again very weighty, and like you're and, and more really excellent editing that orients the viewer and creates these kind of narrative structures yeah. uh, within the action sequences. Peck and Pod did that a lot, um, and most famously in the Wild Bunch. And I think you see you see uh, the DNA here. Like I, I would be very surprised if the director of this movie wasn't a big Wild Bunch fan, because there's there are parallels, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, to in my closing thoughts, I, I love this movie. Um, Rewatching it was just yeah. like a joy. It's a very breezy movie. It's done in like 95 minutes or something. Yep. So, um, any longer would have been too long. Too long. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, I think it's just a, a good watch. Like, if you can, I know there are probably listeners out there that aren't into violence. In which case, don't watch this movie. It's hundred percent of what this movie is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Oh God, I, I just remembered. Else, I'm cringing at the scene where he like grabs the guy and throws his neck down onto the shards oh, yeah. of the door. <laughs> oh, that one. was fucked yeah, up. Yeah, what a sequence. <laughs> that one was, oh that was pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah, and you get like, he's like jumping backwards to pull him towards yep. the door. That's a, it's that a is sweet a, move and also very disturbing. Yeah, and he's just done. And I didn't realize at first what he'd done because they don't show it to you on screen. <laughs> right, and then it like pulls back and it shows you where the guy had ended up and you're like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant, but that's also a, very fucked up. Yes, that is another like one of those moments in this movie. So if you can't handle stuff like that, yeah. maybe skip the raid. Um, but if you want to see just how we ended up with all these great action movies that we have right now, like Atomic Blonde and John Wick, Mad Max, uh, check it out. This is really the modern origin story for those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Charles? Uh, not beyond that. I'm okay. i say bring on more movies like this. Well, yeah, I have a feeling you're going to get them because they're super cheap to make and they keep making a ton of money. So they, <laughs> they will exist. As long as you make them well. Yes, exactly. Because, like, I guess one of the problems is most, it seems like half or 75% of the action movies these days are the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies. And like obviously I love those, but they don't have the same feel as the John Wick, Mad Max, and these yeah, types of well, movies. They're really doing something different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Marvel's just like CGI punching, right? <laughs> right, and yeah. they're fun. They have their moments. They, just, they don't have the same kind of like visceral feel that these do. Yeah, I agree. The kind of weight, the the kind of gross gore violence, and like yeah. There's no part of the reason why I liked uh, Logan so much actually, yeah, because it like it went away from the Marvel style, mm -hmm. and it was like. That was a good movie. It felt like a horror film more than uh, anything else, really. Or it yeah. felt closer to... Well, it felt like somewhere between a noir and a western for me. Yeah. Right? And, yeah, that movie's great. I like Logan a lot. I should yeah. watch that again. I didn't like Logan, actually. I feel like everybody liked it. I just found it kind of boring and, like, too self-serious. 
That's a bad opinion. And like <laughs> too concerned with its R rating because like all the swearing got really annoying. Yeah, and like the the claws through people's skulls. Sure, but like the <laughs> swearing just like felt so forced. Yeah. It's like, hey, we got an R rating, so we can say fuck every other word. So we're gonna do it. <laughs> well. I mean, up until that point, they've been stymied by a PG-13 rating, and all those Logan, prior Logan movies are So they've got four movies good. of swearing in one movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah they, got, they got yeah. some ground to make up. Yeah. It was too much. Wow. Anyway, um, we'll be back in a little bit for Things We've Seen. Uh, stay tuned. And we're back with Things We've Seen. Now, this week, I haven't seen anything because we've had a bit of a... You're busy. You have a schedule. I've yeah, had a lot to life. do. Yeah, you have a, lot a tight. A lot of TV shows to follow. <laughs> a social um, life to keep up with. Your calendar gets full. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll start off with Crossman today. Yeah, so I uh, recently watched uh, the movie Geostorm. Oh, God. Which oh yeah. Again? <laughs> uh, which stars the. Uh, the great Gerard Butler. Yeah, we I, got to, I don't we think got I've to get the live blog of this. That's yes, great. that's true. Yeah, so I don't think I've spoken about this on the podcast. No, I made reference to it. Maybe. Yeah, but we have talked about it offline at length. Yeah, so please <laughs> share uh, it with our, our listeners. Uh, so I um, I really like this film. Uh, <laughs> I think it's pretty fun to watch. It's an amalgamation of um, these sort of late '90s, early 2000s mm-hmm. disaster action films. Um, so it's pretty much like exactly what would happen if you took like the plot of the 2016 end of the world movie, um, the day after tomorrow, and like a deep no uh, what's <laughs> and uh, something do you, do dumber. You 20, do you mean 2012? 2012, yeah, 2012. Sorry, not 2016. 2012. Or it looks a lot like San Andreas, the rock movie with yeah. that had an earthquake in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, just like all those movies. So you just like kind of take the plot of all those movies and just like put them in a shaker and like this movie like came out. Um, it's a very, it's doing it knowingly though, I think. Um, so it's like very like tongue in cheek. Um, Gerard Butler, I think, is a great actor because he's willing to do movies like this and he does them really well he's very magnetic and like very watchable and he really carries his film he's like in like 90% of the scenes and he's a like a really good non-rock action star because <laughs> the rock is like 100% of our action stars at this point yeah and yeah I mean, it's, uh, have they appeared in a movie together I feel I, like they should I, I don't be believe so they, they need to they need to fight check. yeah they need to fight at some point um, I, so I've seen him in a few of these kind of like crappy action movies. Um, the Gods of Egypt I've also seen. And okay. that movie's oh, man. awful. Um, but Gerard Butler, whenever he's on screen, you're like, all right, like, this is good. Like, this is good. <laughs> I'm into it. Like, yeah. He's such a good actor. I, I don't know what it is, but he, like, he is able, he's almost. Charisma. Yeah, it, it is charisma. I think there's like a sort of Shakespearean element to his acting okay. where it's like it's very loud and like <laughs> enunciated and like you know, that's true he says says things of importance well that's why he, yeah, yeah that's why it works so well in 300 right is yeah that, yeah he and he's great in that yeah right and, yeah. The, and pitch perfect for that role yeah yeah so yeah i wish he was in good movies um but what are you gonna do uh, yeah, do you think that bombasticness lends itself well to these sort of b movies though yeah for sure i, I think it was what makes them work where like Someone came in, took it seriously, and like you know, got we're it done. We're and gonna do our best. Yeah, he does. He's really good. So in it is. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Not there's a that. lot of like 
normal action movie subplots where it's like there's a hacking subplot and like there's a <laughs> the hack the geostorm. You know, there's well, there's satellites. It's a series of satellites to like control, control the weather. Get it right. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of uh, like White House down kind of intrigue sure. where like there's an action you know sequence. They have to capture the president at one point. And <laughs> Wait, that's not <laughs> capturing the president is a is a subplot. Kind of, it happens pretty. <laughs> in the face of Geostorm, it happens late else is in the film. Right. Uh, so it's similar to those like Nick Cage uh, National Treasure movies. There's like suck. elements of that okay. in this movie. A again, this is just like you just took like two pages from a script from like ten different movies, <laughs> and like that's what this movie. They, is. they occur sequentially. Um, yeah. And uh, Ed Harris is in the movie, and you're like, I bet he's gonna turn bad. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. But there is a moment where like they they kind of fake you out, but then do they uh, fake you back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. The, it it takes about twenty to twenty five minutes for this movie to get going, and then once it goes, it's like really great. This so is a very fun movie to watch. It is is there a geostorm eventually? Yeah, yeah. They well, they have to explain what a geostorm is with like science movie speak. English, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Could you dump it down the shade? Yeah. Um, the other confusing plotting point to the movie, which really stood out, was so Gerard Butler is this like climate scientist, and he's designed this whole system, and he's the like he's a scientist. Yeah. Climatologist. <laughs> yeah, or okay. he's a, he's an astronaut, and so he like ran this like space station that like ran the the geo satellites right. that like to control, control, the, control weather. the weather. Got it. And terrorists can tap those. And then early in the film okay. he gets like fired from that job and then they advance like a few years. And okay. he has to like go back. And I said I would never go back. Yeah. <laughs> when they You're good in your back. <laughs> when they uh the pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and when they bring him back in, nobody on the space station recognizes him. Okay. Which is very confusing because <laughs> it's like, wait, this should be like the most famous guy, right? Because he like saved the Earth from okay. climate disaster, and right? No, when he shows up, like <laughs> nobody knows who he is. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. he grew a beard. Yeah. Did something. He was so, gone for two years. I don't know. I this, this movie is like very much one of those action movies that's meant to like just be a cash grab in all geos. Uh, so like, <laughs> so like, Still I don't think money. it did very well in the U.S., but I bet it did well in China and Russia and right. other European countries that it was released, and all that together like is what makes movies like this kind of tick, and why they keep making these movies. Yeah. Um, and and as like such, it's like very international cast. Like all all right. regions are represented. They go to China for a while. They like they travel oh, yeah. all over. Yeah. Like a fucking Coca-Cola commercial. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a Chinese uh, actor who like is another scientist that they have to like meet up with and yeah. Okay. So it's like you got to like get that Chinese box office yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, to cater to him. So wild. Yeah, it's a wild film. Um I, I highly recommend it. I think it's actually a really fun movie to watch. I think I'm definitely not going to watch Fieldstorm. I, I think Sorry. you're really missing out. <laughs> I should see it. I actually <laughs> really like this genre of movie. Like I quite enjoy it and I, I I fully acknowledge that they're shitty movies, but I quite enjoyed like 2012 in yeah. San Andreas. And I didn't get around to seeing this one, but I just I love them for their entertainment value and their cheesiness and the tropes. I didn't see this movie in theaters, and that was a big mistake. I should have, <laughs> what a I should have gone. It's a theater movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, go see it. It's on. It's on Prime or whatever. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it is, and yeah. will be forever. Yeah. yeah. What did you see this week? Um, a drastically different movie than that. Yeah, weird. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. <laughs> um, I saw The Rider, uh, which I've been waiting to see for a little while. Um, it's another one that got a lot of festival buzz. I think at TIFF mostly last year. Um, it is a, in a sense, a modern western, but a western only in the, the case that there's like horses in it. Um, the premise is that this young man is a rodeo cowboy, he's a competitive rodeo guy um, who has suffered an injury. Um, and it's an, he fell off one of the horses and like landed on his neck and he can't close his fist right and he has pain and a big old gash in his head. Um, and he can't ride the horse anymore, right? Like he can no longer be a rodeo guy and that's really all he knows. He essentially lives in poverty with his family. Um, and the, over the course of the film, it's him learning to cope with and struggle with his disability. Um, it is one of these, you know, quietly poetic indie films that I'm sure both of you really hate. Um, <laughs> I, I enjoy, and I thought that it was um, touching and thoughtful and understated. Um, it is a interesting uh, meditation on disability and ableism. The character, the lead character, is obviously someone who becomes disabled at the beginning of the movie and learns has to learn how to cope with that and has to learn how other people treat him differently because of his disability now and the different expectations that he both can have of himself and that others have of him. But at the same time, there are numerous disabled characters throughout the movie that he interacts with. He has two siblings. Um, one of them is a sister who has Down syndrome. Um, and the other is a brother of his who lives, who had a, we learn at the very end of the film, was in a car accident and was a famous rodeo guy before that as well. Um, and so you see from three different perspectives, a guy freshly injured, a person who has had a disability their entire life, and a person who had a disability while being able for the bulk of their life and has now learned to cope with it later on in life. Uh, and it's a, it's compelling in that sense. And it doesn't draw a point to it. It doesn't. There's no speech where they talk about, oh, I need to learn how to do this now that I'm unable to ride horses anymore. But the, the movie illustrates the point just with the quiet interactions and the quiet learning moments that this character goes through throughout the film. Um, the, however, the most striking thing happened during the credits. Uh, it turns out that all of this family that the movie focuses on are actually family. They all have the same last name. They also oh, yeah. have the same roles. And I didn't realize this until I saw the credits at the very yeah. end of the film. So they're fresh actors. Like they're just people that act that this basically actually happened to and created a movie about it. Um, or the person that directed the movie like found them and created a movie about it. Uh, so it becomes this very, that, that casts the film in a new light, it becomes this very true to life, authentic, you know, realist, naturalistic expression on film. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's, a, it's a quiet film. It's, a, it's very low-key. A lot of the action happens in, you know, brief moments, but it, can, it has the capacity to be heartbreaking and, and joyful and just really uh, uh, hits a lot of the, the normal indie beats that you'd expect from a movie like this, but it executes them really effectively. Uh, it's called The Rider. Uh, it came out technically last year, but it's getting a wider release now. Um, so if you're in a city large enough to, to support it, I recommend, I recommend going to, to see it. Yeah. Cool. What are we watching next week, Wilson? Uh, well, next week, I think by the time next week's episode posts, we will have a new Star Wars movie. Um, so <laughs> in honor of that, I want to do The Fugitive. 
uh, starring Harrison Ford. So this is a great movie. Hmm. I like it a lot. That's a surprising uh, pick. Why? Well, it's great. Okay. No, I agree. It's good. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Um, so join us next week um, for The Fugitive. Thanks for listening.